The interesting thing with typography is that the content and the shape are so intertwined that you cannot separate them from each other. They become one immediately. So it's always melted together and this fascinates me so much because it always influences each other. Hey, what's going on, folks? Welcome back to the Graphic Design is Fun podcast. My name is Dan. Today we're chatting with Oliver Schundefer. Something like that. Oliver is a UI and app designer from Austria with a passion, a fiery passion for typography. And he shares this passion through his, his website, his YouTube channel, his Instagram, his newsletter, he creates uh, wonderful educational videos and, and just these great resources for designers who want to learn about type and learn to use typography successfully in their own design work. Um, I really like Oliver. He's a lot of fun to, 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 to chat with. He's just very positive and it comes across, if you, if you check out his YouTube channel, um, he, to me, very much embodies the idea of graphic design is fun. He's always having fun. He's always laughing. He's always smiling. He really enjoys what he does. Um, and that's cool to me. Um, this podcast is slightly different from some of the podcasts I've done. It's a little bit more practical versus sort of uh, Oliver's life story. We talk a little bit about um, how he got into design. But the bulk of the podcast is just how to choose typefaces, how to pair uh, typefaces or combine more than one typeface. So hopefully you you learn something. I I really like some of the frameworks that Oliver talks about. Um, these ideas of font follows function and font follows feeling, and he gets into what those mean what kind of criteria to look out for when you're choosing a font both on the function side and the feeling side we also talk about this framework for combining multiple typefaces called the font matrix which is really interesting and i think for a lot of people might make you sort of see fonts in a new way at least in terms of how we categorize them like normally we think of like serif and sans serif as these two very basic broad categories um, but with the font matrix and when, when it comes to choosing fonts that are going to work well together it's more about the underlying geometry of how the typeface is built independent of whether it has serifs or not and um, yeah you know it might 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 make you look at fonts a little differently who knows but hey, without further ado, let's get into the episode. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Oliver. I don't know how to say his name. Shondifer, I think. Oliver Shondifer. I've been very much enjoying your, your YouTube channel. It's fun. It's cool. I learn some things. I have a laugh. You know, it's it's awesome. <laughs> Oh, that's that's so nice to hear from you because, as you might also know, in this field, it's a very, it's very lonesome in the in the making. 
Yeah. And yeah, you don't really feel what the other person is doing and or see. And there are a lot of people watching, but you don't even realize that since I'm not responding to any podcast either. So or yeah. very little. But it's always great to hear that some thing, uh, things are received on the other end. <laughs> it's always awesome. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, I feel like unless you have a very, very big audience, you, you don't really hear any like feedback, you know, you might get a few yeah. comments or a, an email, but you're mostly just putting things out and, and you can see the number of views, but that's it. And it doesn't like really feel like that those are actual people, you know, um, mm. until you hear it like from someone directly. Yeah, the the cool thing here is that uh, I'm also feeling like starting out and congrats on the two digits. And then it's Thank awesome you. that you hit. Yeah, I think yesterday it was or something with Diana. And yeah. yeah, that's that's the first milestone, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I'm I'm happy just to uh, to have not given up. Honestly, it's so easy to like get excited about an idea and then like forget about it after a week. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just trying to just trying to keep doing it and you know i'm, I'm sure that the quality will improve over time and that kind of thing definitely yeah that's the one thing that uh, just keep going keep doing it i sent out uh, tomorrow i'll send out the 90 se second 90 second font friday newsletter wow and uh it's yeah I, i'm also amazed i'm, I'm close to 100 it's short uh, it's uh, the friday before christmas there will be 100 I, cool I, I, so and so yeah, that's cool because it's like consistency is everything. Just yeah, it really going is. going and doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you like how, how you got started uh, doing some of the stuff you're doing. Um, well, maybe we could start with how you got into design in the first place and then eventually how you got into more like sure. educational stuff uh, with, with Pimp My Type and all that. Yeah. Um, you can always connect the dots from from yeah later on basically i think there's a steve jobs quote as always a steve jobs quote and <laughs> uh and the, the in hindsight you can always connect the dots that's what that's a quote yeah yeah that. but uh, when i think back i i did like a newspaper at school that uh, when at elementary school when i was and i don't know how old was I? Eight years or something. This was basically my entry point into, let's say, graphic design, since it was a newspaper. Yeah. So, and uh, I sold it to my classmates. So, this was my entry point of some things like that, drawing comics and stuff. But after that, uh, I went to, let's say, a general middle school here in Austria. And uh, I always was interested in the subject of graphic design but i really didn't know much about it it was more a bit like is this something that interests me or not i thought it was about drawing so i prepared my portfolio when i was 13 years old to apply at a high school where you could learn graphic design in austria and I just thought it was about drawing and after half a year drawing apples and pencils on a desk and stuff, <laughs> I was so bored of that that I thought, I don't want to learn this for five more years and then work as a designer. But the thing there was, I didn't know what graphic design was about. I just thought it's drawing because everybody said, you gotta be good at drawing, which 
is really not the it definitely is not the case and you this is a myth i have to say and um there, there this is a very different skills doing a good layout and organizing information visually and drawing drawing was kind of an entry barrier back then because you had to draw stuff okay but now we have computers that can do that for us so um th that kind of how the job changed and after i uh, graduated from high school i decided to give it another try and then i applied for university and at the, uh, or design school here in austria and it was really there uh, a pleasant experience since in between i I started doing web design, learned about HTML. It was the early 2000s, so everything was kind of fresh and new. A lot of GIFs, MySpace, all this stuff. Made a Star Trek fan page. So this was my starting point for design. And I was amazed how, what you could do and publish and see. And with typography, I really got introduced to the subject at design school at the age of 19 when I learned from my design uh, professor or typography professor Giovanni De Faccio from Italy, from Venice. <laughs> he's, he's just cha such a charming, calm and amazing person. And I'm, I'm grateful all my life that he ignited this passion for type and typography in my heart. And from there on, it's just, yeah, this is what I really enjoy most. It's choosing typefaces and applying them in your design because they make such a big difference. And th this is also what, what motivates me the most, doing a project. This is the most fun part, just picking a typeface. I wish I could only do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that's awesome. It kind of goes back a, a little bit to... Um something I talked about with, with Diana, like how, how great it can be to have like a really good teacher that really um, can can kind of change like the whole course of your career, basically, um, if they're really inspired. Yeah. But let's talk about, you know, well, what you love, typefaces. How would you say that you sh one should go about choosing a typeface? Yeah, definitely. I always follow two principles. So the first one would be that there is uh, font follows feeling and then we have font follows function. And some years ago or some time ago, I said, no, font follows function and then font follows feeling. But I think it's more or less the other way around because the interesting thing with typography is that the content and the shape are so intertwined that you cannot separate them from each other they become one immediately. A word is in a typeface, set in a typeface or written by head or whatever. But it's one thing. You cannot say only look at the content and ignore the shape, the typeface and, and the feeling this creates. So it's always melted together. And this fascinates me so much because it always influences each other constantly and you have to decide for something you can never say that anything is neutral it won't be never ever it always transmits some kind of feeling or emotion so and this emotional part is when we think of a very competitive market and a lot of different things then you really want things to connect to the audience and if there's no emotional connection it doesn't matter if it's functional, I think, because then if you're not ready to consume it or if you, if you, if you don't. So this is, this is what I think on one hand. On the other hand, there's a great quote by Eric Spiekermann. 
I'm I'm just paraphrasing here, but it's like if people have to read it, they will read it. Of course, if it's a form and I have to read it, I will read it, no matter what type is and horribly they said. So, but when it comes to let's say advertisement, web design, all the things where you have a choice and you need to seduce people into the content, the stuff, then it really matters to think about the feeling behind it. And so. When when I look at a, a typeface and it, it conveys a certain feeling or a certain kind of personality uh, versus another typeface, yeah, like how how would you put into words how that even happens or or why it is or or what characteristics of a typeface make it have a certain personality? I mean, there's you know serif and sans serif. You know, I mean, there's all these little kind of details that we can list out, but how does that then turn into like a personality or a, a vibe, you know? Mm. I mean, I know that's a hard question to answer maybe, but... No, it's actually not. The, 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 the You gotta do your research. That's the first part because you you when you look at sites for inspiration or newsletters and stuff, you get more or less an idea of what's trending, quote-unquote, right now. So you get an idea of what's... Um, what's contemporary or what's not and th with this idea in mind then take a look at you're always designing for a certain niche or industry or thing and then take a look at very very important players in that field uh, if you're designing for let's say a cleaning company or whatever yeah what have you and then take a look at all the others and they are all horrible i'm sure definitely because graphic design is not that clean for cleaning companies <laughs> <laughs> was one of my first clients and then you think about what do you want them them to look should they fit you you start to see patterns and similarities not just the typography but the overall appearance and the impression with the corporate design stuff and and website and then you will find out, do I want to fit in there so that people know I belong to this industry? This is also one thing why it might be, let's say everybody says, if you're a dentist, you're using a tooth in your logo. That's so silly and so stupid. Well, 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 well. If you want to be recognized and easy, maybe you could use it in a clever way or something else or something different. So it's always about thinking about the context and what audiences is and re does it really have to be that clever and stuff and the same goes for typefaces and 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 how they are used just do you want to fit in there or do you want to stand out among them it, maybe if you're very new and you want to look very established then you could kind of use some elements a, a big competitor everybody knows is using for example or typefaces or a trend and just follow that and if you want to say no we are very different we are really really not like you then you pick something that's 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 very different so it's always depending on the industry or on the audience on your region so in 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 canada Typefaces are differently used than in Austria or Europe or in Switzerland or whatever. Um, we are closer, definitely, and we're, we're leaning towards a global style. But regional, there are always regional differences. So that's basically a starting point to get an idea how something feels. And maybe just to add, um, 
this with these broad categorizations like sans serif or serif and and this stuff it's not so much about serifs or sans serifs these are let's say the tiny extensions of some things it's more about the construction of the typeface how it's used and you can use a sans serif typeface that feels very traditional and you can use a sans serif uh, and a serif typeface that feels very contemporary yeah that's that's it's always in the details and the construction itself so, so that's kind of the the font follows feeling idea yeah, yeah. and then in terms of the font follows function um like like let's say once you've sort of established okay we we have a certain uh feeling or a certain energy or a certain yeah. uh, uh, kind of personality that we want to convey within that there there are still some like restrictions right like you you, you still can't cho choose anything there still has to be some level of of function right so how, you know how, how does that limit you then in, in that sort of like next level yeah sure um, about the feeling part again um, when it comes to this there's also when you take a look at a typeface think about what style or vibe or energy this typeface conveys and if it fits the topic so this is basically the the idea behind this feeling part and this mostly works for display text which is titles headlines something that's rather short and rather large so and for body text or functional text which then might be the small print or um, a marginalia pagination in user interfaces the labeling of stuff uh, navigational elements buttons this stuff for these smaller things you need to be a bit less creative definitely since now that comes the functional part more um, because there the shape should not distract you so much from the content because here the content is king not the typeface definitely and um, the functional part there would be like something you really should first things first you should consider what's your budget for a typeface so this is it's it's very boring but it's always about the money and if you're not sure what your client is willing to spend and they are not willing to spend anything if you do not convince them that this investment is worth it and it is so you really have to yeah set the stage for this and say okay let's say we have a budget of 100 bucks or 200 bucks or whatever depending on the project kind of or 500 bucks if it's an app you always have to have a bit more since the licensing is tends to be more expensive there and then you know okay I have this budget and my clients wants this licensing condition. So then we have, this is basically the necessary, necessary to get started at all. And then followed by the idea, what do I actually need to support? Do I need to support English only? Do I need to support uh, Western European languages? Do I need to support Cyrillic script or uh, uh, Hebrew even? So they're in different um, um, languages or regions. And with that in mind, start browsing for typefaces. Basically, it's making uh, or setting a briefing for that. Because one thing is horrible. You fall in love with a typeface and then you find out there are some certain characters are missing. It doesn't work in that region. Or you cannot even afford it for that project. So this would be then the, 
yeah, it's the basic starting point of all. And then we can go on and think about the quality of the typeface, if it's drawn well, if it's not, uh, if it's spaced well, and all these things that most of the time are fine if you just pick, let's say, established quality foundries where you can rely on them. And a lot of Google or free fonts are also fine but they are mostly overused then so this might be the downside of that so just to get started with this very basic and boring stuff but that's your job as a designer basically for sure yeah yeah okay so then that goes for for choosing choosing a typeface now maybe where things get even more interesting and and a, and a question that a lot of designers will will come across is pairing typefaces okay i have one and i need a second one and they need to look good together or they need to complement each other mm -hmm. and th then you just run into a million questions of like how different should they be how similar should they be um and it's uh you know it's an art form people write write books on this stuff how to pair typefaces uh i know that's something you've, you've talked about a lot so what's what's your advice yeah when it comes to pairing typefaces this is the thing when you have to Google or browse it and stuff, there are no hard and fast rules that you can follow except like pairing a sans and a serif. But it seems so random. Or let's say there are so many serif typefaces and so many sans serif typefaces. And right. they don't look the same, even though they are sans serif or they are serif. So can I combine anything with anything? That's, that's the thing. It's a good rule of thumb or an idea, but the, th but the approach I would use is first, you should start out with deciding for a primary typeface and ask yourself, do you need a secondary one or a third one or a fourth one or whatever? You can ba basically, you can mix as many typefaces as you want. No, no, no worry about that. It's cool. If it looks good, go for it. The, the, the question only is, is, why do you want another typeface? Do you want it because your primary typeface does not convey that feeling you want to convey? Or do you want to use it because your primary typeface does not have the function it should have, maybe for a monospace, because you have some code snippets in there, or maybe for, uh, let's say, very tiny text for your captions, and your your body text it works fine but when you set it very small it doesn't work at all because it's too delicate too thin it becomes it becomes not readable then but there's not a style or a weight for that so you want something that's maybe similar but works in that condition so that's that's the whole question so when i would start with that is what's my primary typeface and then i set this primary typeface because you don't want to have too many variables. You don't want to pick two typefaces and always switch. It makes you insane. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Well, like, oh, I, I, I like what you're saying in terms of like, we're starting with one and we, then you have to ask ourselves, is this like doing everything it needs to do? And if, and only if it's not, then we we need to add another typeface either because it doesn't have the right feeling or it doesn't have the, the, the right function. Um, yeah, I like that yeah. because then you're not overcomplicating yourself for for no reason. Yeah, and then when you have, let's say, you have decided for your body text or for your headlines, for your for titles and stuff, and then you want to um, you want something for your 
then you want to pick something. And the question here really is, do you want your combination to be very contrasting or do you want it to be very similar? It's easier to make it very contrasting than it is to make it very similar. Because you can always use, and this is a tip if you don't want to spend a lot of time with it, just set it in a different weight or width and use sans or serif, whatever. Because when it's bold and the body the heading is bold and the body text is regular or it's ultra or whatever you have so much contrast regarding the weight it won't be that obvious that they are very different in their construction or stuff because the contrast is the first thing you see so you can kind of hide this a little you could also set it in uppercase you could also set it in um in in, in maybe just just uh, color is also a thing where you can change or disguise these things so you don't have to spend too much time the and the further it's apart the easier it is as well because then you don't really have them so close together and you don't really compare them so closely the problem is the closer it is the more problematic it becomes like in a caption for a text or marginalia or what have you so everything that you really need to combine very tightly maybe you want to emphasize something within your text but not in bold with another typeface because you're cool or whatever because you want your emphasis to be different than just the bold style or the italic style because this would be too conventional or yeah, because it might not fit the theme of your project then it becomes harder and yeah and they're just set out to say is this very similar or is this very different so this would be my first advice when it comes to the pairing and and how do, how do you decide if you want them to, to be similar or you want them to be different yeah that's a good thing a good question um, you just basically say okay am I okay with the basic movement or idea behind my primary typeface. Is the feeling or the idea behind the primary typeface brilliant, but it just doesn't work for that case. For my headlines, I love this for my body text, but for my headlines, I need something tighter because on a mobile phone, it's horrible. There are too many line breaks and I want this to be more compact and I want this to be large, but compact. So I need something like a condensed or compressed or a narrower typeface that more or less looks and feels the same, but has this specific feature. How do I find this then? So this would be an idea to say, okay, I want this to be similar, but I want it on a functional level for my design to be, um, uh, yeah, to to come with that right so 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 then like l let's say you've decided okay i want i i i i need a second typeface for for my headlines it's going to be different and i want there to be contrast um but how would you go about choosing that second typeface to where like it, it still needs to have something in common or some connection or some reason that you chose this one as opposed to the millions of others like what what would some of those variables yeah. be that's a brilliant question. The thing is, when you combine something and do, you want it to be similar, what should be similar? That's the, that's the big question. Or what yeah. on, in your typeface should be different? And one thing I discovered uh, quite recently is uh, from Indra Kupferschmidt, which is a German typography professor, and she wrote an article about 
12 years or 10, 10 years or something ago about the idea of the font matrix. And I also did a video on that. And then just recently, I wrote an article for the Google Fonts Knowledge um, uh, blog there with, with, with some content or an information on that. And I really love her approach and her concept because it gives you a guideline where you can see similarities and differences. And the idea behind this is that not the serifs are the big differentiator. It's more the form model, how different typefaces are constructed. So this is the foundational layer of a three-layered approach, how you can describe typefaces. And um, she always... The, the, the thing with categorization and this stuff, the, this is a bit problematic since it's very broad. This very generic categories like sans serif, serif, monospace, um, display, displays, whatever else, yeah, handwritten, scripts. So this is super generic, yeah. And the problem with that is that you get a lot of results. It's a good starting point. But definitely within those categories, there's so much variety still that it's making it hard to choose. You're saying like the idea of this font matrix is a good idea, yeah. good good starting place. And and sorry, what did you mean by three layers? Yeah, the, the, it's a bit hard to um, explain it on an audio format only. But as I said, there's a good video from <laughs> from me <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. by me about this about this. And the idea behind it is. You have this foundational layer, which is the form model. And most typefaces fall into one of three categories. There are dynamic shapes, there are rational shapes, and there are geometric shapes. Or in between also. So it's not a rigid system and not every typeface will fill in, fall in there. But you can once you start seeing those form models, I bet... And I swear you will find them everywhere. And it's such a great way to train your eye and your visual perception of type. And I really, really love this because it made things obvious that are underneath the construction of letters. And when we start with the dynamic form model, this would be something like uh, typefaces that have open apertures. And what do I mean by that? This is like for, if you imagine the letter E, the lowercase letter E, and you can see that there in the counter, the space within the letter, um, there's the counter or the I as it's called in the E. <laughs> and then you have this open counter. And is this opened to its surrounding or is it rather closed? If it's rather open, then you can say that this is a, as it say, a dynamic form model. You can also see this with the lowercase a, the lowercase s. So are the apertures open? And then you have uh, on the rational form model, you can see that these apertures are rather closed. Imagine Helvetica, for example. It's a good example for a rational typeface, which has very, very closed apertures. If you zoom out and you think of the letter E, it almost becomes like a circle with a crossbar in between because it blurs together a lot. This is not very beneficial for uh, legibility. And there are typefaces like Roboto or Inter that every designer, I guess, is familiar with right now, um, which opened these apertures a bit, but they are more 
they are still very restrained. And if you think of open sense, which I have an issue with, but <laughs> let's not talk about that. <laughs> but if you think of open sense, it's also called open sense because they had very open shapes, open apertures, or fira, which is also a typeface which has very open um, uh, apertures. And then the third category would be the geometric typefaces. And there you, it doesn't really the apertures are not the differentiating part here. They also matter, but it's not like you can decide if they are or not. But if you think of a circle or something, if an E looks more or less like a circle, it's, it's, it feels more constructed from the idea, or an A is very constructed, just a circle with a stick to the side or, or to the right side. So then you have this feeling, this is a geometric typeface. And within these three, four models, most typefaces fit or are quite like rational, quite dynamic, quite geometric. There are also crossovers and stuff. But if you see this foundation, you can think, okay, does this foundational layer combine with the others? And the next level then would be, so uh, besides this form model, would the next level then be contrast and serifs? Does this typeface have serifs? Or not? Does it is it a contrasting stroke or is it not a contrasting stroke? And then you you are very distracted by the second layer. Why? Because contrast draws your eye, and you really are intrigued. And oh, this looks cool because it's contrasting or it's bold or whatever. But is it very linear or is it not? So this is basically the idea of the second layer. And the third is not necessary for the font matrix, but just for a descriptive layer. You can then add some text like, does it have inlines? Are the service bracketed or are they triangular or are they flat or wh what have you? Yeah, So many different ways or are they bifurcated or trifurcated? <laughs> There's so many ways. But we always tend to look at this second and third layer. Oh, the serifs are bracketed and in the scotch typefaces they are whatever and <laughs> it's just like yeah that's true but it's not the thing that makes the feeling of it it's more the form model but we're distracted by that and when we understand what's the skeleton behind it the skeleton we then can think of the flesh and and then add this up to the second layer and make a decision if they fit together or they don't wow that's amazing I, I yeah. love it. I, I, I feel like that. Uh, anyone listening? Yeah, because I think vis visually it would help a lot. Uh, yeah. So so let's just plug your, your font matrix video. Everyone go, go watch that. Um, I, I did actually watch it, but, you know, I'm still going to ask, ask questions as if I don't know, you know, but um, uh, yeah. Okay, well, um, wait, what is your beef with Open Sans? And uh, yeah, yeah, because you have you have a whole whole thing about you know uh, swearing that I will never use Open Sans again. Um, but but why? Like I actually, I uh, yeah, I have no idea why why that would be. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This is not something like Open Sans is a good typeface. First of all, so it's well crafted. It's open, as I said, which makes it very legible in small sizes and also very friendly. It has a dynamic form model, so just to know that behind it, and it's very linear and and yeah, it's it's a good. It's not a bad typeface, definitely, but 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 it's so so brutally overused, 
and this is the thing i yeah i'm 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 so clickbaity. I'm a YouTuber. I have to make clickbaity <laughs> stuff, definitely. No, the idea behind this, I can't see it anymore because it's so overused. And what really makes me sad and cry at night and wake up and shiver is that people <laughs> only use this typeface because they do not want to spend more time browsing for another one. The thing is, you really you're missing out on so much opportunities to make your project more unique, interesting and stand out. And this is what I definitely, definitely want to tell people that you'd not only have the opportunity to make something on an emotional level appealing, but also memorable. And if you want your project to be like anybody else, use Roboto, San Francisco, Lato, Meriwether, uh, Montserrat, check all the top typefaces or Helvetica for God's sake. But it's just like super replaceable and there are so many brilliant typefaces out there that might also fit into that category, but that have some tiny other details and stuff and they matter and they really, really make your project more distinct and more unique. And there definitely are cases where you want to fit in, where you want to look similar. If you want that, go for it. No worries. But if it's just like a lost opportunity and this makes me sad it's a lost opportunity and it's very easy to stand out just by choosing a different typeface and especially i'm 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 focusing i'm a user interface and app designer and when you choose the default typefaces like roboto on android or sf pro on uh, on apple uh, on iphone and it's 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 they are all fine typefaces but what options do you have to let your design stand out? Also on mobile design, not just on, 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 on app design, also on mobile design. When you shrink everything down to a tiny screen, you do not have a lot of options for layout. You can create some stunning visuals. Okay, that you can do. But in a lot of cases, you won't not always have these illustrations or visuals. So what do you have else? You have color. Okay, pick a color palette. And then it's text, it's typography everywhere. And you can give it your, your identity and your idea here uh, just by choosing something that's not the standard, not default. And this is why I want to encourage people not to use OpenSense, not to use all these top typefaces because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's the safe bet. It's like, yeah... We're like anybody else. If you're like anybody else, go for it. If you want to stand out, use this opportunity and pick something else. I, I love it. That, that makes a lot of sense. It's not that you hate OpenSense specifically, but I, I, uh, I get the message. And I think it's a, it's an, it's a great message. And I think for, for designers or, or even um, you know people who are not quite in, in the world of graphic design, but who still might find themselves you know, basically designing things. Um, yeah, pay, pay attention to your type. It's not uh, a meaningless choice that doesn't matter. And okay, I'll just pick uh, whatever this default thing is and go from there. Um, yeah. it's, it's a great message. It's just the voice of your content. It's mm -hmm. like how it sounds for your eyes. This is what <laughs> it is. Really. That's actually like, a great quote. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah it's the tone it's the tone of it and mm -hmm. that's something that and it is as this is from jason parmental uh, type is never neutral it never is it always has a direction and an idea and 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 as i said it always is melted together and if you want the safe bet and the safe choice go for it okay no worries uh, nobody will charge you for it i just say what really makes me sad is if there's lost potential and there's a lot of lost potential there and as graphic designers i know we have so many choices to make so many not just picking a typeface is only one of the colors layout uh, illustration photography uh, so much things to arrange and to decide content what's the content what's the to direction the mood all these things but typography is one of the most foundational things and it's really does so much and it's so often overlooked and this is why i'm so passionate about this and i'm so driven to make everybody yeah choose something else than the ordinary i love it and i i love your passion well thanks for uh thanks for chatting with me this was awesome and uh i i hope everyone listening uh got a a, a little you know a, a taste of that that passion and uh the you know the the fire in your heart for for typography <laughs> it's 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 beautiful it's awesome thanks dan thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of the graphic design is fun podcast if you enjoyed the episode you can leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts or spotify it helps others find the show so it would be very much appreciated if you have any feedback, any suggestions, or just want to say hello, you can shoot me a message at Dan Allen Studio on Instagram or Twitter. If you love the podcast, if you hate the podcast, uh, whatever you got, I would love to hear it. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.